summer. Not that they were much better. Maddie wrinkled her upturned nose, the sole feature she'd inherited from her mother. Not too good. Their kids are causing lots of problems. That's what you get for raising them in Hollywood. I think they might be moving. Okay if I get some lemonade? When Abby nodded, Maddie skipped across the brown, shag-carpeted family room to the kitchen, the knife apparently forgotten, which was good, since it was probably nothing, but it was the kind of nothing that could trigger nightmares. Fortunately, Maddie never had nightmares. She always slept soundly, just like her father. Abby's lips compressed into a line so thin her jaw locked. Colin never had any trouble sleeping, which showed how unfair life was when you considered... The phone rang before Abby could get going on a really good rant about Colin. She ran into the family room and grabbed the receiver. I'm so glad you called, she told Laura Stewart, plopping onto an avocado-colored recliner that no longer reclined. I was vacuuming out the space behind the door separating the living and family rooms, and I found a knife. You what? From Laura's shocked tone, her eyes were as wide as Maddie's had been when she'd spotted the knife. I found a knife, Abby repeated, setting it onto a walnut coffee table with more bumps and dents than a relief map of Asia. Not that, Laura said. I was talking about the vacuuming part. Abby made a face. Scary, isn't it? She propped her bare feet on the coffee table beside the knife. I was using that pointy nozzle thing to clean the edges of the floor and the tops of the baseboards. The woman who considers even the most basic housework cruel and unusual punishment was vacuuming edges and baseboards? Anyway, I was closing the doors and pulled one past its stop. I thought before I pushed it back, I should vacuum the dust between the walls. The dust between the walls? Laura emphasized each word. You've clearly gone over the edge. I'm on my way. Abby's lips curved. Laura knew her well. I assume the writing's going badly, Laura continued. Since nothing else would make you so desperate for a diversion you'd be vacuuming edges and baseboards, let alone between walls. Going badly would be an improvement, since at least it would be going somewhere. Maybe you should have Marissa come to Minnesota to do something more interesting than sell her dead aunt's house, Laura said. Make her a soap opera star who quits her show and moves back to her hometown to face painful memories from her past. They always say you should write what you know. Abby's rueful smile held a touch of pain. I think I'd better wait to find out how that works out in real life before I write about it. To be honest, she wasn't sure she'd ever be ready to open that particular vein for the sake of her art. You'll be fine, Laura said firmly. You already are. I hope so, Abby said, then shifted her feet from the table onto the carpet. I could use some advice about the knife. What should I do with it? What kind of knife is it? An old kitchen knife. Abby picked it up again, this time holding the edges with her shirt tail and fingertips. 
If the knife were important, she'd hate to smear more valuable fingerprints than she already had. It's got several dark splotches on the blade that could be blood, but I've never heard of anything violent happening in this house. I haven't either, Laura said. The blood's probably from a cooking injury. Then why was the knife stuck between the walls? You wouldn't believe the places things end up in my house. Laura had three energetic kids, two of them boys. Abby set the knife back on the coffee table. I don't feel right throwing it away if it could be important, but I hate to call the cops and risk having them label me a hysterical female. And risk reading about it in next week's National Enquirer, Laura said. Every time I think about those articles and what Colin got away with... He doesn't get to see his daughter much, Abby interrupted. Laura could rant.